Good evening, everyone. Glad to have you here. Welcome to all of you here in the room. Those of you tuning in online, making your way on the inside, we're glad to have you here. Uh, I'm Jack, if we haven't met yet, one of the pastors around here, and uh, just wanted to kind of welcome you to be a part of tonight. We continue on in our Tove series. Excited to have that uh, be something we focus on here in January and getting healthy and being healthy as a church. And so if you happen to be new or new watching online, we'd love to invite you to download our app. It's free. You can find it in the App Store uh, at, you know, whatever your Google Play or in the uh, Apple App Store. Download it at Element City Church and you'll find that. If you happen to be new, we'd love for you to fill out the connection card. There'll be a couple quick texts and that'll just get us connected. We'd love to follow up with you. And we know it kind of, it's hard connecting to a new place. And so we'd love to kind of help bridge the gap for that, walk alongside you. And you might get some free stuff, especially if you're new, at the end of our service, we have a 10-minute party right back here where we've got the best kettle corn in the Old Pueblo. I'm changing it up. I'm changing it up. I know I just shocked some of you, but in the whole Old Pueblo, we've got the best kettle corn we'd love to give you if you happen to be new. Uh, and uh, are you guys having a good start to your new year? Fantastic. Uh, I am wearing my mask. I'm just letting you know uh, as numbers are continue to go up a little bit, we're just going to try to be healthy uh, in that. You don't have to uh, if you're here in the room, but if you feel more comfortable, we've got some available out in the foyer. We want to let you know that. Uh, and just, I, I love the fact that we get to do church together. I love the fact that we get to worship together and uh, we're continuing to look into God's word tonight. So again, if you're new, thanks for taking a, a chance on us and being a part of here. If you're tuning in for the first time online. Thanks for giving up uh, some of your time. I know watching service at home is a challenge, even for the pastor at times. And so maybe what I'd invite you if you're watching from home is just to kind of get everything settled. If you want to turn down the lights a little bit, just don't have your head on a pillow because you'll fall asleep. I'll put you to sleep probably. But just kind of get settled in for the next hour or so and be a part of it with us and engage with us. If you're here in the house, uh, don't fall asleep on your neighbor. I'll try to keep you awake. So, um, But glad to have you here. And uh, why don't you, if you're in the house, why don't you stand up right where you're at. Uh, tonight, Church of the Week is Passion Church and Pastor Bob. We want to pray for him. We do this every week. We pray for a local church here in our community. We know there's a million plus people that are not connected into a community of faith around in the southern Arizona region. And so we need every church to be a, a God-honoring church uh, and that's reaching people. So we want to pray for Passion Church tonight and for our time together. So God, we want to lift up Pastor Bob and his team and the crew there at Passion Church. We pray your blessing over them. Would you continue to, to resource every element that they have and every aspect that they have that you would expand their reach as a church. We thank you for uh, Bob and for his team. We pray your blessing over them and we pray for your blessing over elements tonight. Uh, whether we're watching from home or watching here in the room that we would just be engaged with your spirit as we focus our attention in worship and in your direction right now. Uh, Holy Spirit, we're inviting you to be a part of this experience with us, that we would engage with you, experience you, and we'd leave here a little bit different tonight because we have been with you. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen. Well, good evening, church. Let's put those hands together tonight. You're going to have to move around a little bit for this one. Like this, don't. 
Just one word 
Closer and closer, kingdom of heaven. 
see Fruit our hands have sown Faith just like a seed The only way it grows Act justly Love mercy Walk darkness falls, it won't prevail Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph Yeah, my God will never fail Declare that Yeah, my God will never fail Cause I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Turn it for good. 
take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good let's let be our cry you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good I'm gonna see your victory I'm gonna see your victory cause I'm gonna see your victory I'm gonna see your victory for the freedom there is victory you have already won the battle God and we praise you for that we praise you thank you Jesus thank you Jesus father you have already prepared a way but we ask you to move tonight speak speak to us father yes Jesus Take a minute and pray for yourself that God would speak clearly. And pray for Jack. He's prepared a word tonight. Just pray that the Lord would speak directly through him.
Father, we thank you. Thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do. Father, would this house be a house of miracles, a house of worship that brings you glory. You are the King of glory. So all of this is for your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Why don't you take a seat? Amen. So good to, to worship with you, whether you're here, whether you're at house, uh, tuning in. Um, Anya would be so impressed that I am starting with a cup of tea illustration. I, I could just picture the smile on her face because that's so much a part of her life. But I want to tell you about my favorite tea experience. I got to travel a few years back to, to China and we were there on a mission trip, and uh, one of the friends that I met that week, we were uh, there, English for Second Language, and, and uh, training in, in college campuses there, and, and we'd start up conversations, and um, this one particular gentleman, uh, he and I connected and, and got to have conversations, and then he invited me to tea, and so we went to this uh, place where you get tea, in, in China, I guess, and uh, we had, to, it wasn't like exactly like this, I had to find this, but uh, we'd have tea and we had this conversation over tea, and maybe you've had conversations over, maybe you're a coffee person, you know, like, tea stinks. That's fine, picture this with coffee. Uh, and so, like, but you had this conversation, there was something about this cup of tea and this conversation that we get to have to talk about just life, to talk about his stage of life and where he was, his, he was an artist, and he actually painted by the end of the couple weeks that were there, this beautiful um, hand-drawn painting that he did and presented to me, and, and I was like, I do stick figures, sorry. Um, and so like, I couldn't match that, but like, it, it was just gorgeous. I still have it. And, but part of the beauty of this conversation over tea was it brought us together, people from different sides of the world, uh, different nationalities, but we got to have conversation about life, and then we actually got to have conversation about Jesus and begin to, to introduce him to my best friend. Jesus. And, and to have the conversations on a spiritual level was a beautiful thing. And, and here's what you know and what I know is that a cup of tea can bring people together. A cup of tea in conversation can actually heal old wounds. A, a cup of tea or coffee can launch friendships, can it? Can actually save a life, too. Don Ritchie uh, lives where uh, in Sydney, just outside Sydney, in a place called The Gap, and it's on the cliffside uh, facing the ocean there. And it's a popular visitor destination where people come see the crashing waves, and yet that's not the only clientele that shows up at this place. It actually has gained infamy as the suicidal spot for years where people go and they see the crashing waves and the sound of the surf pounding against uh, the, the cliffside there, and, and they're contemplating their decisions. They're contemplating life and where people are at, and it's estimated that 50 people a year uh, typically end their life here at the Gap. But what Don would do is he lived nearby for about 50 years in a little place, and he would watch the cliffside. And when he saw someone who was usually alone, he'd walk out with a smile on his face and he would say, hey, why don't you come and have a cup of tea with me? 
and he would invite, and often people would respond, and they would come in to his place, accepting his offer, and he would invite them in just over tea, no counseling, no advising, no prying, just one human being lending and listening ear to another. And for a lot of folks, that was enough for them. That was enough to save them from making a decision, a permanent decision for a temporary issue. And so it was credited to him that a lot of folks were battling mental problems, a lot medical illnesses they were diagnosed with. Some were just people going through a rough patch in life. And for many, a listening ear is what they needed, and it's what Don provided. It was accredited to him that 160 people walked away from that cliff over the course of those years of him just inviting people to tea. His family said that's the official count. It was actually more of closer to 400 plus of people that he actually spoke into just because one guy had an eye for empathy for the hurting and a compassionate motivation to intervene. Would you like a cup of tea? Why don't you just come have a conversation with me? He passed away a few years ago, but that was kind of a life mission for him. Just goodness showing up in a moment when it was needed the most. So we started this series uh, last week on Tove. And uh, some of you are probably, maybe if you're tuning in for the first time tonight, you're like, what in the world is the word Tov? Well, Tov is the Hebrew word for good. Uh, it's used over 400 times in the Old Testament, and it speaks of God's goodness, this idea of his loveliness, his kindness, his generosity, his desirability, his friendliness, his kindness, his beauty, this idea of the goodness of God. Uh, some verses from the Old Testament. God saw all that he had made. This is where it starts in Genesis 1.30. One, and he said, this was very tov. This is good, he said. Taste in the sea that the Lord is tov. The Lord is good. Lord, you are tov, and what you do is tov. What you do is good. So teach me your ways, the psalmist says. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, David writes in the end of Psalm 23. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. And so as we start this new year, uh, many of us are kind of in, into a, a healthy start to the year, whether that's emotionally, physically, in all ways. Uh, maybe you're trying to get health around it. And as a church, we wanted to just focus in on uh, this idea of what does it mean to create kind of this good, like this godly culture of goodness in a church? Because here's what we know. We all have been around life enough to know that we've seen scenarios and circumstances in whether it's nonprofits or whether it's churches or whether it's just agencies around the city or around the globe that you know about where, where the culture is not tove uh, and the abuse and the, um, just the neglect, uh, the, the danger and the damage that gets done relationally to people in a cultural context that's nothing but not good. It's like maybe the opposite of Tove and the impact that that has. We've seen it happen in our world. We've seen it happen in churches. And the reality is Tove is an active thing. It's not a passive thing. It's not a set it and forget it kind of reality thing. It, it grows or it shrinks. It's, it's kind of fluid. It moves. And it can either increase or it can decrease in that. And as a church, we want to be a place. We, we believe that God is good. And that he longs for his goodness to be in his people individually and to be in his, his people gathered 
as a community, and that people would experience that. In fact, as people experience the goodness of God, maybe they would actually begin to experience something that's different than what the world is, uh, gives them a taste of in the everyday life. And to be like Jesus is to be like Tov, to be good, to be Christ-like is to be Tov, that Jesus is that. And so this theme and activity comes from a book, uh, a church called Tov, uh, that I, I want to recommend if you want to read it. Uh, Scott McKnight, Dr. Scott McKnight is a New Testament scholar and wrote a lot about this, but a church called Tov is the book we're kind of pulling this from, and in that there's this context of here's what a Tov culture begins to look like, and, and tonight I want to look at kind of the first part of this, of what are some key aspects aspects of what a goodness, godliness kind of culture begins to exemplify and put on display around us. Last week, we said this, the greatest apologetic for your theology is the way you treat people, unless, of course, you act like a jerk. Then the greatest threat to your theology is the way you treat people. And here's the truth, like, we know this to be true. And we can point to people that maybe you're connected to or from the outside looking in and go, man, that is so not good. That is so not what I see in the pages of scripture and what I see in the life displayed in Jesus. And we can point to things and go, that's where damage to relationships and things go haywire and sideways. And so two key qualities that we want to look at tonight is this idea of empathy and compassion. That a culture of tov, whether that's individually and you trying to work on being a, a kind of a godly, goodness kind of cultured person who has that uh, kind of amplifies that goodness of God out from you individually or within a church context of, of the people who come in contact with elements or with the church, that they would experience the goodness of God means they're going to experience the goodness of, godly, uh, of a godly nature in the empathy and compassion that they experience and that they receive. Empathy and compassion are being others-focused more than self-focused eyes to see people and a heart that's moved to intervene, which is a challenge in a culture that kind of breeds narcissism. And that is our cultural context. If you don't know that, just watch TV. If you don't know that, just kind of look around at what gets sold and what gets pitched in our cultural context is, if we're honest, a pretty narcissistic place. And that's not necessarily all bad. But there's definitely an undercurrent of that that we have to swim against. There was a UK study that said the average person takes 450 selfies every year. How many of you uh, top that? Actually, don't raise your hand. Uh, but like, how many of you are like, okay, I'm under 450. Okay, I don't think I do that. But the reality is selfies weren't around a few years ago. No one before digital cameras actually turned the big honking camera around to take a picture of themselves. Like that has come in the last few decades, this idea that more pictures are taken, actually it says here in the study, by men than women. Do you agree with that? Disagree with that? I don't know what to do with that. It's on the interwebs. Do with it what you want. But this idea that in a narcissistic uh, cultural undertone that we tend to live in, uh, there is a propensity in us, all of us, to kind of lean toward what's in this for me. 
and to not necessarily look fast and first to the people around us and, and what is an other-focused vantage point. In fact, the Mayo Clinic offers this definition about a narcissistic personality disorder. Here's what it says. It's a mental condition in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance and a deep need for excessive attention and admiration, troubled relationships, and a lack of empathy for others. That describes the country I live in, doesn't it? Like, that describes the neighborhood you roam in. Like, so we have this undercurrent around us, and it's against that kind of backdrop that I think the beautiful image and, and picture of who Jesus is and what he's really like stands in stark contrast because we get to see the goodness of who Jesus is. He is tove embodied form. He's the goodness of God on display. And we're to focus and have our focus of our life be more and more like him. The one who could have made it all about himself rightfully didn't. And in fact, he, he doesn't really point to himself all that often. He's focused on others, and he's with that. We see in the life of Jesus this dazzling display of empathy and compassion. Empathy is the ability to recognize and understand, to share the thoughts and feelings of others, the ability to feel what someone else feels and to kind of exit our own feelings and to enter the experiences of others. Empathy is the ability to see the world through someone else's lens or through their pain even. And as you read through the Gospel of Matthew, if you just read chapter 8 and 9, what you're going to see is this brilliant display of how Jesus actually makes this focus of on others, this other-focused reality about him. He, he heals a demon-possessed man. He heals many other people. He calms the storm of his disciples when they're overly anxious and going about this. He forgives and heals a paralytic. He's calling Matthew. He's been ostracized and inviting him into who he is. And every little aspect of what you see in Matthew chapter 8 and 9 is him ministering to people being others-focused, not making it about himself, but actually drawing empathy and compassion into life of others. He's healing people all over. And then it ends with this beautiful description about Jesus. He says to his disciples at the very end of chapter 9, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues and claiming the good news, proclaiming that the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. And verse 36 says this, when he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus saw the crowds around him, he was moved with compassion. When I see crowds around me, I am typically moved with annoyance. Just being real. Like my first inkling isn't compassion. Do you realize compassion, uh, we've said this before, is the most described emotion of Jesus in the gospel accounts. If, if you just look around and just look at the emotional state of Jesus, the most described emotion of him is compassion. The one who didn't have to be compassionate, who had the right because he is perfect and could make it all about himself, chooses not to. And into the backdrop of our culture, I am struck 
by how often I don't follow suit. I, I consider myself a fairly compassionate person. But I'm still struck if I'm honest, like brutally honest, that the conversations you never hear about, the conversations in my own head, uh, do you have, have those? The conversations in my own head, maybe the conversations in your own head, how, how they don't start out of the block with compassion, how most of the time they start out of the block like, and there's a grumbling, like it's not even audible, like there's no even words to it. It's just like this audible grumbling inside my own head and I'm annoyed because they're not doing it right or there's judgment coming. This is the better way to do it. Am I the only one? No, okay, so like we're among friends here, right? So it's this honesty of saying, hey, God, I, if, if Jesus is moved by compassion, then I'd like that to be more of my MO. Because if I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm supposed to be more, and li more like Jesus. Like, that's what a disciple is. Someone who knows about Jesus is following after him and becoming more like him. And so maybe a valid question to ask yourself is as a follower of Jesus, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, man, I'm stoked that you're here. Like, I think it's awesome that you're owning your spiritual journey and kind of investigating for yourself. But if you call yourself a Christian, answer this question. Are you more compassionate readily? Like, out of the gate this year than you were five years ago. That actually may be a better indicator of spiritual growth than how many Bible verses you can quote and how often you've been here on a Sunday. That, that maybe part of the spiritual growth thing is it actually begins to play out in my life and how I interact with people. As he healed every disease, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. I would love if that becomes a better descriptor of me over the years to come. And my hope and my hunch is that I think as a, as a follower of Jesus, you'd like that to be said of you. That that would become more of a descriptor of you. Compassion is originating from this idea of the Latin word, and compata, it's this literally the ability to suffer with someone. Do you know what the shortest verses in the Bible is? Anyone know? Jesus wept. Do you know the reference? John eleven thirty five. So here it is. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Anyone want to memorize the Bible verse tonight? John eleven thirty five. Jesus. Jesus wept. See, you just memorized the Bible verse. Well done. You get a gold star. Okay. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. What's fascinating about this story is Jesus is going. Mary and Martha have lost their brother Lazarus, and, and and they're mourning this loss. Jesus probably could have been there a lot sooner, but he delays, and he knows what he's going to do. No one else knows what he's going to do. He's going to raise Lazarus back from the dead, which is bonkers. But like he knew he was going to do that, but no one else knew he was going to do that. And into this moment, he shows up, and Mary is distraught. She has lost her brother, and she comes to him when. Jesus sees her weeping, verse 33, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. He's deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they reply. And then at John eleven thirty-five, 35, Jesus wept. Did you ever ask yourself why? Jesus obviously knew what he was gonna do. 
He even told his disciples two or three days before that, we're going to delay a little bit. Because uh, they were wondering, okay, if John's sick, maybe we'll get there in time. Jesus knew what was going to happen. And he knew what he was going to do. But he delayed. And, and so even if he knows what you're going to, like, if I'm a magician, right, and I know how the trick goes, then I'm actually a little bit giddy when I'm getting through the trick because I know how it's going to go. You may not know how it's going to go, but I'm like, ooh, I can't wait for the big reveal, right? That's how I'm wired. I have a hard time being settled and not giving it away because I'm too excited for that. I would think that's how Jesus is in this moment. He knows what's going to happen. He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But into this setting, he sees what's happening around him. And the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five, 35, I think gives us a greater insight into God's heart. He sees the crowd around him, sees Mary and Martha crying, weeping in the loss of their brother. And John eleven thirty five, 35, Jesus weeps. He sees the pain. He notices what's happening. And into that moment, he enters. And he is ministering with compassion and empathy. He weeps alongside them. He didn't have to, but he chose to. Because his heart is moved that way. Now, then he goes on. And he heals, like brings him back from the dead. That's more than just a healing. Like that's a big deal. And he does that. And he knew he was going to do that. But still into the moment he enters and he goes. The mark of empathy is to feel another's pain. The mark of compassion is to have the desire to alleviate or reduce the suffering of another. It's to do something about it. It's to notice and to respond. That's what it means to grow your empathy and compassion. Uh, in 2019, we watched another horrific gun violence issue happen in El Paso, Texas, right? As a, a gunman goes in and he kills 22 people in a Walmart. You'll remember hearing about that. Among the victims was Margie Record, a 63-year-old woman who was an employee of Walmart. Her husband, Antonio, had no relatives and they had very few friends there in the El Paso area. Margie's children from a different marriage were somewhere else. And alone and heartbroken, Antonio brought flowers to this makeshift uh, memorial site outside the Walmart for day after day after day. And a photographer took pictures of him. In fact, there were times that he would show up in the morning and stay most of the day, maybe go home at night. Sometimes he'd come back at night and just sleep because all he had was Margie. He didn't have any other family in town. And he went to the funeral director and Mr. Purchase, he was talking about fears that he had. He said, my fear is that I'm now alone. His fear is that I don't have family here. Margie really didn't have family here either. And I fear that no one will actually even attend my wife's funeral. Mr. Purchase shared that message on Facebook and along with a photo of Antonio and, and the photo of there at the makeshift memorial and it went viral. And the message he put is, Mr. Antonio Bosco was married for 22 years to his wife, Margie. He had no other family who welcomes anyone to attend his wife's services. So let's show him and his wife some El Paso love. And empathy went viral and compassion followed it and Tove blanketed El Paso. 
And into that message, there were 5,000 responses from all over the country of people who responded to that post who were willing to send flowers at her funeral, which was the last of the 22 victims. Uh, Mr. Bosco entered a venue packed with 400 supporters and there were 700 more lined up for half a mile down the block of waiting to hug him and to see him and offer their condolences. One supporter flew in from San Francisco to attend a funeral of a woman she had never met. Another woman drove six hours and waited an additional two hours to give Antonio a hug and to say that you are loved and you're not alone. You're not alone. El Paso resident Victor Perales and he and his wife came to the funeral to give him a hug and just let you know that you can be part of our family now. More than 900 flower arrangements and 10,000 condolence messages arrived from New Zealand, Norway, and far away as Japan. A GoFundMe account that was started by one of the photographers who took his picture, uh, took up photos, and raised over $41,000 from 1,425 donors. And Mr. Antonio Basco, at the end of all of this, said these words, so many people put their arms around me and grieved with me and cried with me. I'm moved beyond words. See, empathy notices and compassion responds. And no one is invisible when we live with empathy and compassion. And in a world where a lot of people are just a number, what's really nice is to be seen and to be noticed. In a culture that cultivates empathy and compassion, people will not be made to feel invisible. They will be seen and heard. And we must become a people in a church, a place where people are seen and heard, where love notices and responds and people feel it. Churches that follow Jesus develop a culture in which they hear the cries of the distressed and the wounded and they respond with compassion. Tove kind of churches build an empathy radar in their people. An empathy radar, think about that. How's your empathy level? What would it look like for you to develop an empathy radar? Which is where you would see beyond the normal conversations that are happening. You would see the struggles, you would see the heartache, you would see the hurt that's going on in the lives of people at your workplace, at, at people in your sports teams, people in your classrooms, where you would just say, God, would you develop my empathy radar? Would you help me to notice what's going on around me, to hear the pause where people pause? How you doing? And there's a pause. That pause is an empty space. That pause is telling you something. And what if we began to be people who noticed the pauses or people who noticed those who were talking really, really, really fast because often you talk a lot faster when you're wanting the conversation to be over because you're hurting so much. And what if we actually just became people that began to ask the right questions? That to begin to, to say, I want to be a part of a, a Tove kind of culture, this goodness culture. I want to develop my empathy radar where I see deeper into the conversations and interactions that I have and the circumstances I notice where there's hurt and neglect and discouragement. And I'm motivated then to respond where I can step up and step forward and step into the reality of what's going on around and I can assist. How is your empathy radar is the question. Might God want to intensify your empathy radar this year? 
into a 2022 in the backdrop of what we've all navigated over the last 18 months to 20 months plus, might God want his church to be a people who raise up the bar on their idea of this empathy radar that just become more alert. See, empathy notices and compassion responds. And nobody noticed like Jesus. That's what you see throughout the gospel accounts and reading his life is the way he entered into conversations and interactions with people, no one notices quite like he did. As a church, we have this mantra that we've said from time to time over the years of do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. You can't be a person of empathy and compassion to every person on the planet, but you could be one to the person on this planet God puts across your path this week. What would it look like if we were sent out as these active agents for God and his good in the world and that this week we each leave here with an assignment to say, God, I want my empathy radar to be more alert this week. Would you give me eyes to see, to notice, and then a heart motivation of compassion to respond? And what if we each just said, we're gonna do for one what we wish we could do for everyone and that we left here on assignment to be agents of Tov, and to be agents of God's good in the world. And what if each week we came back and said, man, you won't believe what I got to do. You know, yesterday, that's part of the reason we do the food distributions that we do every second Saturday is to give away food. And yesterday, uh, we had several of you who were here, a part of that, and I got to take a few boxes down to a couple of apartment buildings that are down just past Speedway. Every month or two, when we're kind of dragging a little bit here, I'll load up some and go down. And yesterday, I got to meet a guy who I've never met before. I went to an apartment complex I've never gone to before. And I was like, God, uh, we got extra food. I need to give it away. I'm just going to show up here. And I go into the courtyard, and this guy's coming down, and he's got his Bible in his hand. Like, what are the odds of that? Uh, and he's coming down by the pool, and I'm like, hey, do you need food? And he's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, yeah, I haven't been grocery shopping this week. I'm like, well, here, I got two boxes of food right here, and I got good stuff in it, and able to minister to him and hear his story a little bit and, and just have a quick conversation where it's just a blessing to someone else. And God knew that before I ever showed up. I had never been there before. I just felt in my gut, I can drop two here at this place, so we always come here you know what, there's one right next door. I should just go over and see what's there. So off I go. What if you began to live your life with that kind of anticipation that maybe the Holy Spirit would nudge you to say, hey, you should go check in on your coworker. Remember when you had that conversation three, four weeks ago and you haven't really ever followed up again with it? Maybe you should ask them how they're doing. What if we actually began to live with this, I'm, I'm an active agent for God? and for his good in the world. I don't just come to church. Listen, don't come to church. Go be the church. You can come here and we'll gather together. That's awesome. I'd love to see you next Sunday. But we don't come here just to be, like to gather as the church. We are scattered to be the church. That's the point. And so you are to be an active agent for God and his good in the world. And to do for one what you wish you could do, maybe for everyone, but to be on the lookout of how you can do that. As a church, that's why we support so many different nonprofits and agencies around here through your gifts here. We're able to bless people that are doing a lot of good in this world. And we want to continue to do that. Why? Because we believe that one church can't fix everything but we can fix something 
And if we can leverage all of this together and begin to pour it out more and more, it begins to make a bigger ripple effect for God and his good in in a city that we love and that we care about and we give a rip about and we want to see God's good happen and do here. And so we support a lot of different agencies and organizations that are doing good here. Every year as a church, we, uh, we, we do this thing called Serve Sunday. I don't know if you know that, but it's coming up again. February 13th. How do I know that? Because that's the night of the Super Bowl, okay? And where you don't hide that. We're a Sunday night church. We think it's dumb to do church during the Super Bowl. If that makes me a bad guy, then that makes me a bad guy. I'm over it, okay? So, like, here's the truth. We cancel church on Super Bowl Sunday, and we go be the church Super Bowl morning, okay? So here's what we're doing different this year. Are you ready? Here's the big reveal. No one's heard this yet except our staff. You're going to do it. What? Yeah, I'm not organizing it this year. Uh, You're going to do it. What? What do I do? Yeah, figure it out. Okay, here's what we mean by that. Every year for the last six years or so, we have helped over at John B. Wright Elementary. We've helped over at Catalina. We have different organizations that we partner with. Here, we want to decentralize this year. So here's what that literally means. Look around you right now. See who you're sitting around. See who you know here. You can wave to them if you see that. If you're online, you can text a buddy right now. Like, you know who you know. Here's what we're challenging you to do. Get with people you know and do something. Ta-da, that's the big reveal. So like as an e-group, you could go do something together. What if you were to adopt a fire station that's nearby one of you and you would bake them cookies? Kevin, would you eat cookies? Yeah, so like Kevin's a firefighter, like he would eat cookies. What if you just baked something and you showed up and you wrote some cards and said, you guys matter and you do good around our city or a police station that's around you and you would bake something for them and you would say, listen, we care about what you do for our city and so we just wanted to serve you today. We're from Element City Church and we just want to let you know we love you. We care about you. Today's law enforcement day. There you go. And so like we can do things like that. What if you have a nursing home around you? Do you know who doesn't go to nursing homes in COVID? People. So maybe you can't go visit everybody, but what if you could write some cards? And you can sign your names and write sayings to them and deliver them and say, look, here's enough for your whole, all your residents. They would know that someone's actually thinking about them today. And we showed up for that. Uh, maybe, could you get more creative? Ronald McDonald House is an awesome organization that does a lot of good for people who are struggling, families who are going through cancer. Our e-group went and made a meal one time for them, and we showed up on a Sunday. You can call them. You can organize it. Are there other things you do? Yes, we have uh, Catalina High School probably needs some people to do some more landscaping around them. They've actually talked to us this week, and so if you want to do that, and you're like, I don't want to talk to people, but I can, like, I can pull weeds and do stuff like that, well, then great. Figure it out. Um, Talk to my wife. She works there. Uh, And you can say, hey, we want to do that. If you're another e-group, our e-group's working on it. So here's what we mean. We're decentralizing all of it. Now listen, I know for some of you, you're like, I can't think. I can't do that. Fine. We have one place. And the first 35 who sign up get to be a part of it. And if you miss your window, then figure it out. Okay? So we are going to go to the Gospel Rescue Mission, the Center for Opportunity that's just straight down Alvernon. You can get there. You can look up the address. All the information is in the app. In fact, you can register tonight 
but only the first 35 of you can join us there. And we're going to work and do some things around there. And that's one of the agencies that we sponsor and we give some of your tithes and we bless them. Why? Because they do a ton in our city to help homeless people and to rehabilitate people and to get people back on their feet and move them forward. And so we called and said, listen, we need one place for the people who won't do this. And they said, okay, we'll take 35. Perfect. So you 35, whoever you are online or not online, you actually have an advantage. You can log in right now and try to figure it out. But... For those of you sitting here, listen, what we're wanting and challenging you to do, and I'm spending a lot of time on this because it's the only time I'm going to spend a lot of time on it, is invite yourself to either meet with a neighbor right around you right now who you sit. We're all creatures of habit, and we sit in the same place almost every week. So get to know the people around you, and just you on February 13th, right before Valentine's Day, how does that work out? That's awesome. Show some love to your city. Figure out how you can go be a blessing. You can notice and respond. That's what it means to grow in empathy and compassion, is to notice and respond. So serve someone that Sunday morning, February 13th. We will have a devotional for you online, but don't come here Sunday night, February 13th. You will be lonely, and I will feel sad for you. I won't come hang out with you, but I will feel sad for you. Uh, and so am I being abundantly over the top clear? Perfect, because I, I didn't want to miss anybody in that, and I don't want you to be confused. So we have one organized event. You can sign up in the app, but that goes to 35. And after that, figure something out uh, to go serve, and you guys do it. Uh, and we want to decentralize. Let's serve our city and show them some empathy and compassion this year. We've got to become people who live more deliberately like Jesus, who noticed people and responded who lived with empathy and not a self-focus, but an other's kind of focus. That's how you create and generate in a ripple effect of tov, of God's goodness radiating out from a church and from your own life. What would it look like to pray a simple prayer? God, would you help me develop my empathy radar? That's the challenge this week. What's the challenge? It's real simple. Ask God to help increase your empathy radar. God, what is empathy? I notice the hurts of people around me, the struggles that they're having, and then I'm moved with compassion to respond the way Jesus would. I want to respond the way he did. That's what it means to develop your empathy radar, that you notice and that you respond. And so, God, I pray I pray for our church and our people. I pray for myself. I want to get better at developing my empathy radar. So would you give me eyes to see the way you see people? Would you give me the uh, spiritual ears to hear the hurts, the heartaches, and then I would catch it, and I would be moved with compassion to respond. And for each of us, and God, each of us doing that individually then begins to morph together to, to make this beautiful culture of Tov, where it's God's goodness on display in the lives of real people and real stories. That we develop this empathy radar that says, like, I notice and I see, and you're not invisible here. God, we want to be a church where no one's invisible, where everyone gets seen and they get ministered to. The compassion meets them. And that doesn't mean truth doesn't meet them, but it means compassion's first. 
and it ministers to people. Jesus, your church is meant to display that so much better than we are doing in our culture. Forgive us. And would you help us to put on display more and more the heart that you showed and that you continue to foster and cultivate that compassion and that empathy within each of us. And so take a moment, just 30 seconds, and just pray. God, would you develop my empathy radar? And we're gonna lean into worship and sing, but you take 30 seconds and just pray that for yourself.
bless the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Live for
Fill me with your heart and lead me to love those around me. What if we just did that? I think Jesus took a ragtag group of people who were bumbling around a lot of times. That's me. I don't always get it right. But he took a ragtag group of people that no one else picked, but he picked. And he loved them really, really well. And then he said, you just go do that to other people and tell them about me. Uh, What if the church just did that? I think that can still change the world. So we, as the church, in a moment, I'm dismissing you. You get to go be the church. You attended church tonight. or You logged in to church tonight. You logged into a service. You showed up at a service. But now you get to go be the church. So you're getting ready to go on assignment. You're not leaving a building. You're taking the building with you. Make sense? We are the church. And so as you go, friends, may you be the church. And may you be, may your empathy radar be on alert. And may God nudge you gently, maybe sometimes kick you in a booty, to minister to the people around you. To notice and to respond. To do for one what maybe you wish you could do for everyone. If you're a part of and call Elements home, we are so grateful uh, for your support financially and in all ways around here. We don't pass a plate. If you're new with us, we've got a couple of giving boxes in the back. Most folks give online, and you could be a part of that if you'd like to partner with us that way. Uh, we've got e-groups that you can get connected to. I just told you e-groups are going to go serve, and so maybe you're sitting here going, I'm not a part of an e-group. I don't know what I'm going to do. Show up in an e-group, and they'll figure it out for you. Uh, and so like, you can find out about e-groups uh, either online, email us, we'll send send you some information or you can get information from Amy in the lobby about that. Discipleship groups are getting ready to launch again here toward the tail end of February or toward the tail end of January, early February. And so if you're interested in that experience, there's many of us who have been through that. It's like a 24 week long experience, but I promise you, if you're asking the question of what does it mean to follow Jesus, this is that. And it will help you in that. And so if you're interested to sign up, we'll be in touch with you. We're working with our small group leaders, our discipleship group leaders here in a couple weeks. Weeks. Uh, we do have our, our ladies group that is doing a meet and greet. Some of you were handed a flyer when you came in. If you're not connected to any group, we'd love to invite you to that. That is in two Sundays at four o'clock, so an hour before service. They're going to hang out and have some cookies and cocoa, and it'll be awesome. You get to know some new folks, and so we'd love to invite you to that. Lastly, if you are new, I'd love to personally meet you in the back at the 10-minute party. Uh, we'd love to say hi, just kind of hear your story, and you got a free gift waiting for you. So friends, You're dismissed to go be the church.